When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now, go. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Christmas special 2023 of what most people think. I'm Jeff Norcott and I'm glad to say a man with me, a man whose chestnuts are always roasting on an open fire, is uh, Romish Ranganathan. And may- <laughs> Mainly because he's vegan. It was a vegan dig straight away. What do yeah, you think of yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. I'm trying to figure out the level of respect I have for you based on whether... Did you write that? Is that written down in front of you or did you just <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's, it's on the oh notes. My and, and not only that, I've been looking forward to saying it. I actually skipped past another thing I was going to say just to get it out there. Right, okay. Well, yeah, fine. I mean, I'll accept it as an introduction, but I, I can't believe... I would say it's subpart as a freestyle thing. The fact that you've got it written down as part of a script is... It's just trying to get that Christmas feeling going because you're sitting there, you've got the Bing Crosby waiting to go in the background. I mean, can we just say as well, chestnuts roasting on an open fire is a very evocative line for a Christmas song. And yet I probably don't know anyone that's ever done that in their life. No, I don't either. And also I'm going to say something slightly controversial. Uh, I'm anti-immigration. No, I, I think roast <laughs> chestnuts are overrated. Fucking hell, and you can't even eat meat. You you sort of got to, you've sort of got to make space for all that shit, haven't you? Like you've got to at least give it a fair hearing. I know it's disappointing because you know you got that's one of the four options I've got just straight out of them. But no, like I go to Hever Castle every Christmas. Hmm. In fact, I don't know if you remember that you and I went on a really large night out. Remember we used to do the comedians Christmas do. Yes. You and I were out till, I don't know how much detail you want me to go into, but we were out till six in the morning. Something like that. I've mm. got a vague recollection of trying to get an Uber from Oxford Street at six in the morning. <laughs> I got home at 7.30, about eight o'clock maybe. At least when the kids were up and ready to go to Hever Castle for the day that we had planned. I walked through the door. Lisa looked at me for about 10 seconds. She said, I think we need to let daddy get settled and sorted out for a little bit. Before settled. We... Let's go. What a, yeah. What a beautiful understatement. Well, I think we need daddy's soul to sort of just sort of regenerate. Yeah. Were you translucent? No, I think like Lisa looked at me and she saw that there was no light in the eyes at all. Do you know what I mean? And 
you know what? The way she said it, it was very smart of her because on the one hand, she was showing sort of empathy for my situation. Mm. But on the other hand, she was also making it very clear I wasn't getting out of going to Hever Castle. You know, that, that is what that statement did. Do you know what I mean? It basically said, let's let daddy get sorted out before we head off to Hever Castle. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Let's let daddy understand the reality that he does have to do this. But I mean, did, did you heave at Hever Castle that day? No, I, I would say the actual walk around the castle itself because it's so sort of... It's quite closed in, particularly when you get into the upper floors. That's exactly what you want, isn't it, eh? Yeah, just sort of musty, sort of closed in, lots of intense kind of paragraphs of information dotted around the building, you know, mm. weird olden time imagery, stuff like that. It, it, possibly it, haunted as well, possibly haunted. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I went there once with my dad and he managed to get himself lost in there. He was there for about an hour and a half. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that this is a massive digression, is that um, they always do roast chestnuts at Hever Castle. I always buy a bag of them. And I always find it a disappointing experience, which, which suggests, let's be honest, that the problem lies with me. Why I would have them every time and expect the experience to be any different is, that's not the fault of the chestnut, is it? No, I'd say it's the power of the noun. We forget how powerful nouns are. Roast chestnuts sounds mm. fucking fantastic. And I guess yeah. if you throw in open fire. But the problem is, is that those are three things that are excellent individually. Not necessarily collective. Stuff roasting is normally good. Chestnuts sounds nice. Open fire, good. But it doesn't mean that all of those three things together is going to produce a positive experience. No, and also, you know, it's one of those examples of adding too much detail to make it sound fancier. Do you know what I mean? Like when people say things are oven roasted. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that's some sort of extra qualifier. Do you know what I mean? Like if that was that song was written now, it'd be chestnuts roasting on an open fire on a bed of mashed peas. With cracked black pepper. But that's the other thing. The other, like crushed, crushed potatoes, yeah. crushed peas. Fuck off. Do you know what I mean? I, I just think, you know, all of that kind of fancy shit, it, it winds me up to be honest with it. But there has been uh, quantitative surveys that show that they do sell better. The moment you put an adjective, it's so stupid, isn't it? It, it is stupid, but it's because people think everybody fancies themselves as a foodie. Yeah. So then when you add extra descriptors in there, do you know what I mean? It's like sea salt and cracked black pepper crisps. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? I suppose a lot of it is to do with the idea that somebody else has put in effort. Crushed means, oh, I that took a lot of effort. I mean, we're not about a big masher here. Someone had to do that with a fucking fork. And also yeah. sun-dried, you go, God, that must have taken them ages. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think it's all tied in with our desire that some sort of suffering has gone into the product. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not just regular salt. If someone's had to go to the sea... It's the same reason I like sweatshop trainers, really. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You just sort of think like the tears of the kids add to the kind of durability when you take them out on a run and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's great. <laughs> well, that one won't be going into the advert, but I think it can stay on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just to catch people up, it was my birthday on um, Saturday just gone. And I'm not saying that just because Romesh didn't send me a text or anything, mm, or even actually shit. like any of the social media posts. But it's, it's- Do you know what the saddest thing is? I, I, it, this is genuinely true. I saw your social media post about your birthday mm. and I thought I must text Jeff and then I just didn't. I'm so sorry. I mean, I assume that you're in the bracket of people that doesn't give a shit about their birthday. Do you give a shit? Can we also be honest to say you saw it and the first thought was you thirsty prick because you saw through what I was trying to do was I was like, oh, here's something funny. 
which was the fact that I'd had muffins made for me with my face on. So I saw yeah, who made those for you. Uh, my wife in concert with some of our friends, and you know what? They were really well done actually, and they picked some good photos of me. And just on a purely egotistical level, I did enjoy it. But I, there's no doubt that I thought, oh, this would be a useful way of, of letting everybody know it's my birthday. Why do you want everyone to know it's your birthday? I was a bit drunk. I, also, I thought the photos of me looked good as well. I'm just being as transparent okay, as I could. Okay, okay. No, I just want to really get down to it because I want to know how disgusting it is. Because first of all, the fact that people you love thought that, that muffins with your face on would be something that you'd like, I think says something about you. And they weren't wrong. They were no, absolutely suggests not wrong. A, I would say not a, not a frightening level, but certainly a level that they're conscious of, of narcissism, that you would enjoy mm. something like that. You know, because there are people that would hate to have their face emblazoned on cakes as a present to them. You know, it's something that you'd imagine like an emperor being delivered. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a series of desserts with his likeness put onto them. Do you know what I mean? It's... Yeah, that is definitely Kim Jong-un. I, I think it was the same bakers that Kim Jong-un's family used. We must, we must, We must select photos of him that please, Master. We must pick flattering photos to go on the delicacies that we present to him on his day of birth. Do you know what I mean? Can I just ask, when you did You Must First, were you about to do a North Korean accent and just quickly <laughs> correct it? Do you know what happened is I went, my brain went very quickly. Can I do a, a sort of a vague enough kind of accent that people go, I know it's not from round here. Yeah, yeah. But it's not from anywhere specific enough that we can like get him for this. Do you know what I mean? So. And then you had to roll a deck through quite a few other things and you just happened upon, oh yeah, the sort of like the sycophantic court steward you know like yeah. from game of thrones and also the f it hasn't been lost on me that the reason you called me out on it is because i'm giving you a hard time about your birthday there is another jeff that would have just let that go it's true but anyway look happy birthday man happy birthday thanks man happy i'm pretty sure i didn't know when your birthday was so I, I think it's quite it reflects well on you that we got this far in the conversation without you even considering that or badly actually as a poor negotiator really i don't care about my birthday and you certainly wouldn't have discovered it from my social media because i'm not the sort of I'm not the sort of thirsty prick that would put it on his social. That's true. I mean. I mean, you are playing uh, the O2 next year several times. And a good time to plug tickets. If it's not already sold out, do go along. But when you think in this comedy industry, like people literally will share like, oh my God, when I grew up, I dreamed of playing. No matter what level your career's at, everyone's always dreamed. They're blown away by everything that's happening with their career. I suspect that when you do the O2, it would just be a cursory Thanks to everyone for coming on to the next one sort of thing. It probably will be. But I mean, I, I think the truth of that is, is not because I'm not happy to be playing the O2. I mean, who knows how the gigs will go, but I mean, you know, let's. it is still mm. a cool thing to go and play the O2. But I feel like, um, I, I, I'm genuinely not just saying this, but I don't think how big a venue you play is a meritocracy. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, even though I think it's amazing to be able to play the O2, it's not down to me being proportionally better than somebody that's not. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's not, it's a, it's a lucky and amazing thing. And I feel very grateful to that. I don't want to be trumpeting about it. Do you know what I mean? I've got nothing against people that do. I genuinely don't, if that's you what do. you want to do. But you absolutely do. I do a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, look, the truth, the truth, the truth is, I think that like. <laughs> you think I, I was just going to let that pass? I, <laughs> 
This is half of what we WhatsApp about, is people that do that. Look, the, it's not to my taste. That's how I no. describe it, okay? It's yeah. not to my taste. Can I then be narcissistic or egotistical on your behalf? If I was doing the O2, one of the things that would give me a semi was just like the knowledge of its effect on the local economy. I know it sounds really weird, but I was thinking all these fucking restaurants having a good night. Because of old Romish. That's what I'd be thinking yeah. about. Like hotels full. It wouldn't be the actual gig, but it would be, I'd be like, I wonder how much the delays were like on the Jubilee line because of me. Yeah, I mean, it, we went to uh, to see 50 Cent, a family. We took the Ranganathan took a family trip to see 50 Cent at the O2. And midway through, it just showed like Romish Ranganathan playing in May here or whatever. And mm. my eldest son just said to me, um, you're doing here. First of all, I had told him. So like he should have known about that. Like he should have been aware of it. And he goes, you're doing this room. And I said, yeah, Mm. I am. I thought that moment would be like a moment of sort of like pride or connection, but he just looked, uh, what I would say is rather than adding gloss to me, it took gloss off the O2, I would say, his Mm. realisation that I was playing that venue. And 50 Cent as well. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) He actually said, do you know what? I think, can we can we make a move? Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. What room is the next level rapper playing? Like, yeah. oh, can, we go, can we go to that one? Okay, this is what most people think. So if you haven't listened to it before, this is a special episode, of course. And I'm not going to let Romish get away without uh, picking his brain a little bit about politics. We're going to speculate into next year on some of the more lighthearted issues around what is guaranteed to be a general election year. And we're also going to talk about festive issues, but we're going to come at them like they're serious culture war wedge fucking dividing lines. And then for the patrons, there's going to be a bonus patron-only questions. And speaking of the patrons, um, just a reminder... But if you sign up to Patreon, you get the podcast early, ad-free, and with uh, bonus content, you also get the Patreon-only episode once a month where the VIP patrons get guaranteed inclusion of their questions as long as it's not racist or litigious. We've got a new VIP patron, Romish, as you know, we go for their names here. Gareth Thomas, it's so Route 1. I don't know what you can do with Gareth Thomas that isn't to do with rugby or Wales. No. I think there is a Gareth Thomas. Wasn't he the guy that came out? I think it might be, yeah. But I mean, it, it, speculating about whether it's the rugby player that came out feels like a dangerous game to me. <laughs> Do you want me to Google it for you? It is, you're right. Correct. Maybe Jeff. it's him. You're right. Is it dangerous if it's just him? No, if it is just him, I think it's. I, I think In it's, fact, that's the only way it's not dangerous, is if it's just literally him. So hold on, has he. Has he does every new patron get mentioned? Yeah, they do. But I mean, when you say every, it, there's three this week. So No, I know, but every week. Yes. People have to listen to these names being read out. Is that what happens? Yeah, but see, I get some stick about this, but the people like it. You know what I mean? It's it's a name check and it's a mark of honour, isn't it? You get a light roasting. Yeah, I mean, I hope Gareth feels like he's got his money's worth there. I mean, now you've made me question it. I mean, I, what I've got is feedback from the people who enjoyed their roasting. What I've never heard from is the people actually... Well, I, I mean, what I would say <laughs> is that it's entertaining for one person. But that's why it has market value. But that's the whole point, isn't it? I understand that. But what I'm saying is you're you're sacrificing the experience of the many for the pleasure of the few. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's elitism, essentially, in a nutshell. Oh, so you didn't do Q-Jump at Legoland? (laughs) (laughs) Mate, I talked about Q-Jump at Legoland on Mm. my podcast, and I did get hammered for it, man. People's just going, one of the things that makes me the most angry is when you're queuing up a thing and then some twat just scoots his way to the front because he's paid a bit extra. Do you know what made me angry at Legoland was how 
the queue jump didn't get me as far ahead in the queue as I hoped. Mate, 100%. <laughs> and then the other thing was, it, what's it called at Legoland? It's called QBot or something, right? You got to, like... Yeah, they've realised that queue jump actually does sound bad. So it's like advanced experience generator. I think it was originally like beat the peasants or something, and then <laughs> then they changed it to Q jump, and now it's like Q bot or whatever. I mean, yeah. like, so one time we're going to we, Lisa and I got in Legoland with the kids. First, we had to queue to the car park. We had to queue to get in, and then I was queuing to get the Q jump. There were three queues before we even got into the fucking park, right? And then I was like stood waiting in the like the queue for the Q bots thing, and then I noticed that there's a little sign that says. You can download the app. So I downloaded the app and I said to Lisa, expecting like a pat on the head or at least some sort of promise of like some sort of sex act later on. I said, oh, I've downloaded this app. And she said to me, um, so why have you queued up in the first place if you can download the app? I said, because I've only just realized. Then we started having an argument before we sort of went into the thing. Hmm. This before we get into the park, man. This is like literally, I've just downloaded the app. We have an argument. Lisa walks off to sort of bring the argument to an, an end. I go to go after. As I look to my right, there's just a bloke stood there with his phone going, theme parks are hard, aren't they? Can I get a photo? He, he just watched <laughs> the whole thing play out. <laughs> theme parks are hard. There's something slightly derisory about that, aren't they? God, this yeah. is tough. Anyway, it's almost like an anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking was, hell, yeah. I had to watch that. <laughs> so anyway, listen, I hope Gareth Thomas enjoyed that Legoland digression that was inspired by him there. That's all for you. Michelle Lane. We've got Michelle Lane. Always nice when you get a lady um, patron. I think Michelle Lane is the ultimate girl next door name, isn't it? Michelle Lane. Michelle Lane sounds like the one that was the hottest one in your year group. Do you know what I mean? You know, like the, the one at, at school that everybody like properly fancied and then you sort of see them now and it doesn't matter what they look like now really they've still got a certain kind of they've still got the mystique yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. that name isn't it I remember do you remember um, the secret diary of Adrian Mole or even in uh, in between us what was the, the girl that that guy was obsessed with Car Carly oh my god how do you remember that well I now I feel <laughs> I don't know why that question put a lot of pressure on me um, <laughs> do you know what I was also remembering was that the other sort of featured character was Emily Atat's character who is colloquially known as Charlotte Big Jug. So I can't say that. No. I mean, I guess I can because it's from a sitcom, isn't it? And um, Listen, if we're saying if it was in a sitcom, you're allowed to say it on here. I thought we played a dangerous game, aren't we? Yeah, which decade? <laughs> <laughs> Big Jugs wasn't um, her actual surname. No, that's good to clear that up, actually. <laughs> We've got Mark Graves as well. Mark Graves, God, I hate to say it, and this is maybe where this Patreon benefit has a problem, it does feel like Mark Gray's like killed four in a, a sort of town in Lincolnshire. You know one of those those murders that's really bad but doesn't ever quite make the nationals, but yeah, for some yeah. reason you're in Lincolnshire and you're watching local like Lincolnshire news in the Premier Inn. And Mark Graves today was sentenced for the ruthless slaughter of five pensioners in a in a chemist's Oh mate, do you remember Mark Graves? Yeah, like the one that used to sit at the back of chemistry. Yeah, he's killed someone. <laughs> Apparently just lost it. Like, he never left the town. He just sort of stayed, like, never moved far away from home and stuff. And he was always a bit weird when you'd see him about in the pubs and that. But, yeah, apparently just, like, flipped out and killed three people. So He was with Michelle Lane, but after 15 years of marriage, she left him and he uh, fucking yeah. lost him. They're high school sweethearts. He was the two hottest ones in the year group, actually. <laughs> it's all right. It'll do all right in prison, though, you know? It's the yeah. Ted Bundy thing. Women, women love it. Anyway... <laughs> They do. I mean, that is weird, isn't it? There's a trend that certain high-profile serial killers, immediately there's a group of women that go, that's my guy. Well, it's the ultimate alpha in a way, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> the ultimate alpha. 
I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, what I'm saying is it doesn't get more alpha than that, does it? Domain talking point. Domain talking point. So David Domain, who keeps an eye on previous episodes, he had one thing he wanted to put. I did, didn't know when the word, <laughs> I mean, you missed the belt last week. I didn't know when the word luggage was first used or when luggage existed, right? We were just, we were just playing around with ideas, really. And he says, yeah. I hope you're well. Oxford English Dictionary tells me that the word luggage is first found in English during the late 16th century. I mean, this really is a recipe for me to sound like Alan Partridge. What the hell is going on here, man? Mate, it's podcasts. You've got a great podcast with Tom Davis, but sometimes you just got things to talk about, all right? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. We, we've discussed the names of three people, and now you ask, you're telling us when luggage first started getting used. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> it says everything, because David Domain often offers up four or five things. I think that this is a sign that there was slim pickings last week. So, in fact, okay. what he then does is just responds to that and then just wishes me well for the new year, which I think may be like, okay. So David is sort of dipping out a little bit as well here, is he? I mean, that's where we've got to. From what I'm guessing is last... I mean, I thought last week was a great episode, but... In mm. terms of like plot lines for season two, there wasn't a great deal for him to pick up on. How do you determine whether you've done a great episode or not, by the way? Because that's something I can never figure out. I I think that they're all great generally. I mean, I've got a very high self satisfaction. Okay. 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 Well, do you know what, what what has been a thing this year that surprised me is the ones that piss people off, like really piss people off. Because sometimes if I have a political guest on or a guest with like sort of strident politics. I don't necessarily agree with them, but if they're passionate about it, I just kind of like let them talk. But but there are times sure. when people don't feel that I push back hard enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get that on ball for now? Do you ever get people like just getting the arse about a particular thing? Well, yeah, a few times it's happened. One time in particular, I was going away. I was actually going to Disney World. Relevant to the story. Q jump? Q jump at Disney World? No, I queued actually for that. Um, although you know you don't, you do, it's all uh, virtual queues now at Disney. But anyway, you, wait a minute, you wait a minute. You said that weird man. What did they shut the park for you or something? Is it like you no, no? But what you I just mean didn't is want like me to do, dig any further. You do this thing where you can like you queue online and like select your time, and then you just turn up at the time that you've selected. Do you okay. know what I mean? So, so you're saying like, beyond queue jump now? That's what he's, that's what I'm. No, it's not beyond queue jump. It's a system for everybody. Do you know what I mean? That happens to have got a certain profile. No, I'm joking. It's, that's how everyone does it. <laughs> It's the O2 jump. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so I was flying out that day. So we did an episode of the podcast in the morning before I went to the airport. And I had my breakfast while I was doing the podcast, right, which is like a sausage sandwich or something, which I don't know I was about to explain that. But anyway, sausage sandwich, sausage bread, a little bit of ketchup, right? Vegan sausage. Yeah, vegan sausage, yeah, yeah, yeah plant-based. Yeah. Anyway, somebody sent me a really angry message and I, I can't remember exactly what it meant, but it's something along the lines of it was sweary and it was like, be listening to the latest episode of the Wolf and I was fucking disgusted <laughs> to hear you eating a sandwich during the podcast. <laughs> Do me a favor, have some fucking regard for the people that listen to the podcast. Wow. It's completely unprofessional. It made me feel sick. Don't ever fucking do it again. It was something like that. What's incredible about that is that, you put it out for free, right? Generally. Yeah. So that person seems to have reacted as though they'd paid for business class on BA rather than just downloaded a thing. Well, he had a perceived counter to that point, to be honest with you, because he said, I know that you're going to say it's for free, but you do adverts on it, so you are receiving money, so have a bit of fucking professionalism. And I mm, read that while true. I was queuing up for the Tower of Terror. So basically, I just clicked onto the email, see if we've got anything in. 
And then I saw this email and then I was just like, bloody hell. And it sort of took me out the queue for a little bit. I mean, Lisa sort of noticed. It affected my experience of queuing up for the Tower of Terror is what I'd say. <laughs> Do you know, there's a thing in our game whereby sometimes when you're doing stuff for the family, you sort of roll the dice of, should I just open an email because it might be positive? I know, and sometimes I know. It's not just not positive, it's like really awful. You know, the same happens with Twitter where sometimes I'll be out having dinner with the family, I'll be having a great time, I'll just absentmindedly in the toilet just think I'll check something. And then some journalist from the FT has said that I'm sort of fascist adjacent or something, you know. And then you have to go back with a sort of Richter grin on your face. Is everything all right? You're like, yeah, because you, you can't say, oh, while I was with the family, I just thought I'd just check something. Because then they'd be more angry with you at the fucking person who made you unhappy. Well, that's the other thing is that I'll say to Lisa, I'm just going to have a quick check. She's already annoyed about that. For me to then affect the next hour by spinning out about it is a step too far. So I had to kind of swallow it so it'd become... Swallow it quietly, please. It's fucking ruining yeah. everybody's experience. I mean, I would, the problem I've got is I that person should never have spoken to you like that, but hearing people eat it is such a bad thing. It's only really seconds hearing people smoke on, on a phone. That's the other issue. I was trying to eat quietly, which made it last longer. He actually timed it. Apparently it took me 30... <laughs> I think it took me like... 37 minutes from his first hearing me start to eat the sandwich to me finishing the sandwich. I mean, I think, actually, you did this guy a service because, let's be honest, what he's angry about probably isn't you. No, he's angry about, you know, probably his, his home situation and sort of... Uh... And the fact that Viagra no longer works. You know, that must mm. be like a real... For a man of a certain age, that must be a real sort of a sobering moment. What most people think. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. All right, quick thank you and a fuck you. I'm going to say thank you to the Santa's Grotto uh, near where I live. Do you know that rare thing, Rom, this year where things have gone up so much? It's something that's underpriced. So they do this experience. You get met by an elf. They give you a token. There's a whole narrative. There's a whole story to it. Each year, I don't know who the Imagineers are for this experience. Everyone is fully in character. You help make like a cookie. You do a bit of music and it's 20 quid. And it's just 20 quid for Seb that the adults don't have to pay at all. Mm. It's the weirdest bit of feedback that I've ever given. I'm just, I, just, I think you should charge more for this. I don't, I think you're undervaluing it. The, the only, if I was going to be critical, would be the Santa Claus 
his accent changed about three times while we were speaking to him. It was very weird. From what? Oh, well, it started off sort of German. Did you have a Yardie it... Santa? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> it started off a bit German, and then he just sort of took refuge in posh. And I just thought, right. posh didn't seem to work for me. Like, that, that's not what Santa is. I thought, posh is evil, isn't it? Posh is like a, an officer for the Galactic Empire. Yeah, but how, like, what sort of, was it? Because you can have sort of old kind of, Sort of chesty posh, which I think is all right, you know. Oh, yeah, hello, funky, like, little boy. And what yeah. would you like for Christmas this year? No, well, if he'd spoken to him like that, I would have fucking run out of the place. What the fuck was that? That was, that was just man. That's hiding in plain sight nonsery. <laughs> well, hello, little boy. <laughs> sort of nonsy Ian McKellen. Well, yeah. Get your cock out and sit on my lap. I was trying to do Brian Blessed, I think. But I was... Well, no, he just had a bit too much clarity about it. It was like, so, young boy. You know, it sounded a bit Reese Mark. Oh, right, but no, yeah. he looked great mm. as Santa Claus. But it's the first year, I've got to say, that, that Seb seemed like he was, like, picking at it in his mind, you know? Yeah. It was yeah. sort of more like an interrogation of Seb of him, like, just to just scope him out. Yeah. Because we had a Santa come around the way last night as well. Every year, there's a charity one that comes around playing music. It's fucking great. I'll tell you this, actually. You know that point where you're loving Christmas more than your kids, the crossover point? So I've been out for a run, and then I saw Santa. <laughs> I sped up my run back, and I was uh, called Emma, and I didn't really explain anything. I went, Santa's coming, Santa! I sound- sounded like like Buddy from Elf, but not in an ironic way. It must have been quite a sight, a sweaty middle-aged man in his running gear with like an ear podding going, babe. Yeah, I mean, you're sort of pretending that you're excited for the kids, but it's like when you, you're watching something and then you realise you're not watching it ironically anymore. Do you know what I mean? You sort of realise that you're not doing this for the children. How much longer are you giving Seb for this sort of... Uh... Well, we, we, you know, we have to be conscious of little ears, but um, I don't know, man. On the one hand, inquiring mind, on the other... Loves to believe as well, like a really, yeah. a really pure-hearted boy. I mean, I was going to mention this this later, but I, I think it's a good time to mention it now. Is that he asked such a great question, and I've never even thought of this about Santa Claus. He said, "How long has Santa been doing Santa stuff for?" I mean, what do you mean? He's like, "Well, when in history did he start doing Santa stuff?" I was like, I've, "I don't fucking know." Like, instinctively, I was like, 200 years ago." I didn't know where that came from, and if he's sort yeah. of like a mythic figure. Surely it's more eternal than just he leapt into life 200 years ago. Mm. I had no answer, is the bottom line. I had no answer. You didn't say all of that out loud in front of him, did you? Because that was it's a horrible thing for him to watch his father go through. <laughs> no, that was, that was actually word for word transcription. So I just said, I, I said, yeah, I think it was. Uh, and then I sort of said classic. I was like, how long do you think? And then inexplicably, he said, I think it was started when Jesus was 45 and I don't know why he said that at all. I genuinely... He thinks it started when Jesus was 45. Yeah, and also I was like, dude, he didn't make it that far. No, that's a shame, isn't it? <laughs> all right. We... What a horrible thing for him to sort of, to discover so near Christmas. I mean, I just wish he'd never had the thought, to be honest. Once he'd had that thought, it all went bad. What's the fuck you? So A little grievance. What's your beef? Oh, my fuck you is to um, the gas company around where I live. And listen, it's a hard job. They've had to dig up all around the road that sort of approaches into where we live. And so there's like all these like little barriers coming out and out into the road, which is fine. You know, I understand that gas works has to happen. Unfortunately, they're so pissed off at being interrupted that whenever me or Lisa drive up to access our road where we live, 
they refuse to believe that we live there because it's like a quiet little road. Yeah, they'll go. This road's like there's nobody. There's nobody's coming through here because we're doing work. So we go. Yeah, but we live up there. They go. No, you don't. Honestly, so at one point, one of the guys said, "No, you don't." <laughs> so I do, and he goes, "No, people don't live up." I go, "Mate, I live up there." And he goes, well, "Have you got anything on you?" Like he's asking for like proof. Hmm. At least I'd speak to one of his mates to sort of get him to agree to move the van. I mean, and it's happened. What would have been your ulterior motive for pretending to live there? What would you have gained from I that? I don't know. I, I don't know what he thought might be up that road that we need to access. Do you know what I mean? It was so bizarre. But the truth is it was just he didn't want to move. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's just like the easiest thing is these people are making up that they live there. I've got two options here. Either I take this story at face value and I move, which I don't want to, or... I put it to them that they don't live there and hopefully they'll go away. I mean, that's quite ambitious, though, because that would mean that you never got to go home again. I mean, maybe he was thinking that, I don't know, we'd find somewhere else to stay or I'd phone my mum or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Just for Start the sake of... Start a new life in a different city. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> you know, he was rolling the dice on it because he didn't want to move his van. Fair play to him, actually. Do you know what? I'm going to change it to a thank you. <laughs> I love live streamers. <laughs> Okay, we're going to get on and have a quick chat about politics. Yes, please. So, next year is election year, Romish. Pretty much guaranteed. Mm. There's a small chance it could be January 2025, but I mean, there would be... There'd be some sort of riot there. And when I say riot, I mean 700 people would just probably piss on a statue in central London. But that's what normally happens yeah. in this country. So election year, where's your gut instinct? When's the election going to be? And when do you think it should be? Right, If we look at it from the point of view of Rishi, what's the best time that the public will be least pissed off with you? You're looking for ASAP, aren't you? Is it? Do you not think? I mean, I know the, the people are pissed off at the moment, but for me, I just think the less time at the crease, the better. Do you know what I mean? Before you sort of get a vote. Do you know what I mean? Play some shots. I think so. Go quick. All right, so you, so the idea is you're not going to be there long. This is Rishi's, Rishi's scrapbook of being Prime Minister, right? Because essentially that's what it feels like now, is he's just got to bank some experiences. What sort of stuff do you think he hasn't done yet that he'd like to do? A war? He hasn't had a good war, perhaps? A war can help. Mm. If he could show himself to have been somebody that like has stewarded the country through something. I mean, I think, you know, it could be positive. So maybe sort of look to start something. I mean, an unexpected opponent, perhaps Portugal, maybe. I don't think it's a bad idea, actually. Do you know what I mean, he's got, it, there's lots of great intel because loads of British people sort of go over to Portugal on holiday. Yep. Do you know what I mean, I would start and focus my initial sort of movement on the, the Algarve. Mm. go from there. Do you know what I mean? I think... Uh, a lot of sleeper cells already in place there. I think, you know, if you manage to mobilise the sort of English cafes, you've got yourself a Trojan horse. Uh, yeah, and also you could set up sort of staging posts at various golf courses. And you already got the bunkers, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it could be the way. I think Portugal as well. I think too many wars recently, everyone's been like, oh, goodies, baddies. And it's people on either side feel like it's really obvious. And I think that globally... If we went to war with Portugal, a lot of people would be like, go on, Portugal, underdog, you know, like there'd be a lot of... But it wouldn't be so clear-cut, would it? Like it's a bit like England, Argentina, or Great Britain, Argentina, where it wasn't like Jedi Sith, was it? It was a good old-fashioned punch-up, you know, everyone observes the rules. I think it's very touch-and-go whether most people in this country would be supporting Britain or Portugal. I think there'd be quite a passionate movement for Portugal. But there's a baked-in anti-establishment thing now. Obviously, everyone in Scotland, like if we're judging this by World Cups, everyone in Scotland would have Portugal shirts on. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Andy Murray would say something snarky at uh, Sports Personality of the Year. <laughs> I don't know so how much you've clocked this year of Rishi Sunak, but he's been getting increasingly tetchy, where I think he's sort of fair enough. I mean, it's a, it's a fucking awful time to have the job and nothing seems to have worked out for him. He's had various political costume changes. How much sympathy do you have for him? I have a bit. I mean, to be honest, I always have sympathy for any sitting British Prime Minister because I think it's fucking the worst job in the world. I mean, it's second only to being in the royal family whereby they don't know how bad it is because that's all they've ever known. Whereas Prime Minister, you had to have wanted to do it. But I think the headwinds against him are so massive. Like, it's post-Brexit, post-COVID, two wars, cost of living, 14 years in power. Like, every single fucking headwind. Yeah, yeah. he's against him. If he set sail, it'd be moonwalking. You'd see a ship moonwalking back to land. So I think that he's thought with his technocratic brain, if I do this, this and this, it will result in this. And it hasn't. And then we've seen over the course of this year that he, he's got a little bit pissed off because he is still like the kids that's done the research, hasn't he? He's done the homework. He's expecting A stars. When people don't let him get the A star, I guess what I'm saying is Sunak versus Starmer, elections, live debates, I think he could snap. I don't know what snap means when you're a nerd. I don't know how to what what that looks like. Yeah, I just I just think it's sort of getting really het up and sort of stumbling over his words, or he might choke like eight mile or something. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. <laughs> uh, when you just said that, Starmer versus Sunak, I yeah, what's that going to be like as a spectacle? It's going to be like you know, like the punch up at school where the hardest kids basically egged on the weediest nerds to have a fight and everyone thought it was hilarious until the fight started and then we all felt like we lost something. Yeah, and, and eventually you get to the point where some people actually feel quite sorry that this happened in the first place, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, no, we, we're, all, we're all losers. None of them can can land a punch. I think What's interesting about both of them, right, is that they both became MPs, I think, in 2015. So... There's this odd perception with Starmer that because let's be, look, because he satisfies loads of traditional sort of aesthetics of an established politician, he's a white guy of a certain age, he has a certain accent, you know, he's, he's a sir. He's actually not been doing it that long. Actually, he's been doing it like eight years. I mean, eight years as a stand-up, I'd say that you're probably at the point where you've got a good hour, yeah. right? But you're you're not a Jedi yet. And whereas no. both of these guys have gone into it, and because they wear sharper suits and they talk the right way, everyone's kind of gone, well, you know, they're the grown-ups in the room. At least politics will run smoothly again. Whereas, actually, there's a, a novice about both of them. Do you remember when we, like, uh, uh, when Ed Miliband was standing or whatever, and we mm. were, you know, everybody was so surprised by what happened to him. I remember it was, uh, you know, it was an issue of perceived competence. Do you know mm. what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. and with Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer, they both both have a, a certain level of kind of appearing to to seem, you know, at least they kind of sort of know what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? But above and beyond that, it's deeply uninspiring. But then whenever whenever people say stuff like that, I always think, well, when was the last time I was inspired by somebody in that position? I, 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 Blair Thatcher. Yeah, I mean, that's Blair. It's, yeah. Blair and <laughs> I mean, Thatcher. It, I mean, they were just good at it. Cameron, I think Cameron had enough slickness about him, but he, he's got too much on his charge seat that that went wrong. I mean, I suppose, I mean, is it is one thing that Starmer's done, which is very smart, which is he's disappointed the left before he even got in power. That's genius, isn't it? Because I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> Blair sort of waited till he got in and bit by bit, but he's gone, lad, let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it done. 
But I mean, he's not just disappointed the left. He's actively pissed. Yeah, I mean, it like he's mm. actively pissed off large sections. Of it. I mean, it's like there's an argument that doing nothing, absolutely nothing, you know, calling in sick for a few months would have been a better strategy than what he's done in terms of. Um... <laughs> you know, what he's he's done. He's like you know that com- comedian Matt Rife. You know, the guy that built up all this big yeah, female yeah, yeah. following on Instagram, and then he's done quite a lot of humour, which some people have argued is mis- misogynistic. He's done that, but in politics. Yeah, you like me, do you? Would you still like me now? Yeah, have a bit of this. Yeah, we might privatise some of the NHS. But here's a question for you, because I feel like you mentioned Tony Blair there, who um, when I lived with Matt Ford in Edinburgh, one of his favourite things was to show me Tony Blair speeches that got his blood pumping in the morning. But um, (laughs) one of the things that occurred to me is like, well, I mean, this is an obvious thing to say, but would Tony Blair have stood up to this, this level of scrutiny and exposure that you have now? Oh, because God, they're mate. they're on show so much more than they used to be, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's such a good point. I mean, this is what this is the sort of um, sting in the tail for Labour now is that even since 2010, right? The amount of TV stations, news channels, radio, podcasts, right? It's it's the law of averages. You just spend more time getting in front of the camera. Like the cock up ratio is going to be higher. Definitely, there's though. WhatsApps now. There's more video cameras. Like the idea that Labour just going to come in and that they're not going to be pricks. I think that like in the first few years, there'll be less pricks and less often. But I don't think that era of kind of continuity, stable politics is actually possible anymore because all that needs to happen is like there's one like wedge issue and someone's not happy and how quickly that idea can mobilise online. So, so yeah, I'm sort of, as someone that's voted conservative of late, I mean, I've been saying on the podcast for a while, I'm sort of savouring the reality check that Labour voters are going to get. I think you're probably right in that. I mean, I think this idea that there's going to be any kind of real kind of change in that regard is probably naive. Do you know what I mean? I just feel like it's sort of the same shit, different flavour. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, you know, this uh, this idea that it's going to be radically different is uh, is is not right. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I think it's going to be. And I think that there are strong arguments for why he's doing it. But, you know, as I saw somebody... Somebody earlier, I saw a tweet where it's Wes Streeting, who described himself as an entry drug for Tory voters, which I thought was fucking hilarious. Like, like he's their way in. And he said that, you know, that he's open to doing more private stuff with DNHS. And somebody underneath said, oh, God, this is awful. Basically, Labour are going to be the same as the Tories. And somebody actually said, like, seriously, he's like, yeah, but at least it'll be the red guys doing it rather than the blue. And that... Oh, my. That's politics. Okay, it's a little Christmas treat. I'm not going to hype my tour or my book, with both of which are still available. So we're going to go straight into Christmas culture war stuff, right? This is stuff that gets people really exercised. Now, Ramesh, given what we know about... I've really thought about this, by the way. Given what we know about rivalries in comedy, how jealous are the other reindeers of Rudolph? Will there be talk among the other reindeers about cynicism over the red nose thing, like whether or not it's really a red nose, whether he does stuff to it to make... Well, I think this is such I, I, a gear change from what we were talking. I, I think you know what will probably be happening is the reindeer will be looking at Rudolph, yeah, seeing that Rudolph's been sort of put front and centre, mm. and they'll be sort of reminiscing about the good old times when reindeers were selected like it was actually a meritocracy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it wasn't just suddenly this kind of desire. I mean, Blitzen always sounds like he's fucking good at being a reindeer, like Blitzen, strong, classic. You know, a bit yeah. pale male and stale, but fucking good, yeah. good at reindeering. Yeah, and, you know, I imagine they're sort of thinking it's all gone Hollywood now. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, it used to be about who was sort of 
the best at pulling the sleigh, you know, who was sort of able to accelerate, break, you know, go into turns and stuff with the kind of precision required. And now it's because they're trying to make, you know, they're trying to sell lunch boxes or whatever. They've put Rudolph front and centre. You know, it's, it's probably causing a lot of dissension. I imagine after Santa sort of puts the sleigh away and, and lets him, puts him in the, uh, the old paddock or if he's putting them, Rudolph is probably getting a bit of a shoo-in on Christmas night after he's, uh, everything's finished. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah, he really doesn't put in a shift either. He's pure, he's Mr. Hollywood. He's turning up late. He's fucking around. Do you know what I mean? He's getting all the waves off the boys and girls. All the chants are about him. It's just, it's a joke. <laughs> the moment he got that song, like one of the older reindeers, Prancer, was like, it's over, man, for the rest of us. No, like, don't yeah. be stupid, man. It's such a gimmick. It's such a gimmick, yeah. that red nose thing. No, yeah, you go, yeah. But there's a lot of alliterations in it and people love alliterations. Rudolph the yeah. Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's going to stick in people's minds. Yeah. Well, they can look at you. Prance of the pricky... Pr- <laughs> Shut up, Mark. <laughs> I think that's exactly how it have gone. All right, another question for you. Christmas culture war yeah. issues, all right? Um, all I want for Christmas... This is a song about a woman that doesn't want anything for Christmas other than a person sung by one of the most high-maintenance artist the world has ever known what level of gaslighting are we looking at here (laughs) (laughs) i mean of all the people to sing that song this is a really good point actually i'd never really thought about it i mean this is someone that has her own lighting technician with her at all times right Mm. and maybe that's who the song's about because she does have them with her at all (laughs) at all times I mean, there's there's been a point made about you know I don't want a lot for. Do you have you and Emma? Oh, about to say something really embarrassing now, but like say it. You got to say it now. I'm sure that Lisa and I, in our moments, when I say sure, I remember us saying something like "All I want for Christmas," you know, in some sort of stupid. Christmas yeah, I just want thing. my family around me, and yeah, it does yeah. sound like you're dying as well, though. Yeah, but it is obviously bollocks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because like. Yeah. On some good stuff. I even had to get Lisa a really good advent calendar this year. Okay. Do you know what I mean? She started making noises about that. So, Mariah Carey, I don't believe you. Okay. No. And and also, anyone who concurs with the sentiment of that song, I think you've just got to stress test it by just going, it's Christmas morning. It's me. You got what you wanted. I'm here. See what happens. Yeah, that silence. It's just, it's just not enough, is it? So why... No. I think we both agree on this. I don't like performative sentiments that feel good to say. I think, although a song that said, I really like spending Christmas with you, but I will need, you know, a satisfactory level of of sort of toiletries. I think it's something like, all I want for Christmas is something that shows you've thought about it a little bit. You know, I know it doesn't scan as well. Yeah, don't get in debt over it. Don't get take out loans. Yeah. You know, I do want you. You're obviously very important, but just... To know that you've kind of... Keep it sensible. Yeah. You, I mean, obviously keep it within budget. I don't want you to sort of max out a card. But at the same time, just to have a think about it. Do you know what I mean? All I want for Christmas is to seem like the kind of person that isn't materialistic. Yeah, but obviously I am. So Santa using Only Elves in his production line, is this a diversity issue here? Because on the one hand... Is this sort of anti-normal human size? And again, using the same phrase normal, it could be problematic because mm. I think elves would... Do they? Are they human? Is it a different... No, it's a different species. But is it bad that he only uses elves, i.e. exploitative, or is it bad that he never uses humans? I mean, this does feel like a Richard Herring type question now. Well, I just feel like that's been tradition. And I, I think the assumption you're making is that 
it's only elves that are welcome to work in Santa's workshop. I think if humans, if any humans decided to rock up there and apply for a job, I think they'd be treated with the same kind of, they'd be treated like, treated like any other applicant for the job. You know, any elvish applicant would be given the same treatment as any human applicant, you know. I, I, but the problem is humans don't want those jobs. Do you know what I mean? That's the, that's the honest truth of it. So there's a migrant workforce of elves that are... Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, you know, the, the assumption... <laughs> They're propping up the whole Christmas experience. Once upon a time, it was humans, but they became fat and conceited. Yeah, and they couldn't sort of work their... You know, their fingers became too chubby to work the little tools that Santa needed to make the etch sketches do you think, and this definitely not like just extending a very real metaphor here, do you think that sort of second and third generation elves will will will, <laughs> will want a different life essentially yeah, I think it's it's possible I think it's it's possible that I think that they'll want to go on and do other things, but they'll they'll have pressure <laughs> from their parents. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll sort of feel a sort of residual guilt that they they feel like yeah <laughs> yeah. And I think you know I think I think whole families will move elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? And like, I imagine there'll be some sort of controversy about how much they're assimilating into sort of human life or n- or not. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And um... or not. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think we've solved all the big culture issues there. And that last one was definitely an allegory. Ramesh Ranganathan, uh, mate, mate, so much thank you. Mate, so much thank you for being yeah. on the show. As I say, there are you're touring next year and for a while, so there are tickets left for some places. I mean, these are these are huge rooms, but loads have sold out, so do get on. What, what's the tour called? Hustle. Hustle, okay. Hustle and get yourself a ticket. And by the way, one thing I was going to do, I was going to put you on the spot to get a date in the diary for us to meet up next year. I thought if I did it while we are recording. Oh, uh, In January. Okay. So you said you're in London. What are those days? Okay. Um, is, this, is this not okay? This doesn't feel okay now. No, this is good. This is good. This is good. Let's <laughs> when, do... when people say this is good three times, it always definitely means how good it is. Do you want to do Monday the 8th? Monday the 8th. Yeah, good. So this, this is how business gets done, man. On the golf course. Yeah, okay. We'll do, we'll do a curry, yeah? Yeah, so... What you got there, Ramesh, is thousands of listeners who are bear witness to a thing, you see? I mean, I don't know why I'm making out like you've been really averse to this. I've been like, you've been suggesting beers recently. I, go, oh, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's my idea. I fucking come on the podcast, you make me engage in some sort of fucking weird Christmas culture wars bullshit, and then you try and do a gotcha on me at the end of it. I mean, it's really weird... Really weird strategy. Yeah, that wasn't that wasn't planned. I, I did regret it a bit as as the hesitant way you picked up your phone. Well, oh, do you know my my, my favourite thing was you go, is this all right? It doesn't feel all right. Is this all right? It wasn't okay. I mean, you really backed down pretty quickly. I think it's a conclusion, but I think the important thing is that it's uh, it's made for a moment for the for the listeners to uh, finish on. That you will know, listeners, sweet listeners, that on the when did we say the eighth of January? See, already fucking backsliding. No. On the 8th of January, somewhere, Jeff Norcott and I will be enjoying some sort of sweet, sweet curry. So there you go. A Monday in early January. And obviously, people should check out your brilliant podcast uh, with Tom Davis and uh, Romish Ranganathan and all of what most people think, listeners, have a Merry Christmas. And I'll be back with the New Year's episode on the 29th of December.